everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today is, I guess it's our second New Year's episode. We kicked things off with Terrascopes with Kelly Knight. And today we're talking more about our own goals for the, the year ahead and resolutions and all of that. I was definitely overwhelmed by planning and thinking about this episode. I'm kind of winging it. I don't really have a lot prepared. (laughs) I'm appreciative that this, the podcast and doing this made me think about my goals. But I will say that if I didn't have this outlet, I would be, I think I would be a lot more lax on goals for 2021. I think 2021's maybe the year of just being really nice to ourselves and not putting too much pressure on ourselves. I think that I'm already in a good mindset there. Like I think in the past, I've been much more trying to quantify or improve things from the year before. And this year, I just feel like you get a hall pass. Like anything that didn't go well, that you didn't do great on, you survived. You survived. You got through it. Maybe you cried into the couch a few times, but you got through it. Yeah. So we're only focusing on the positive stuff, not on the negative stuff. Yeah. But before we get into our goals, um, tell me what your high is. I don't have a real high or a real low. Well, I do have a real low, actually, the news. But um, I think my high is just it's really nice to be home. You made me a really delicious dinner. I feel grateful to be here and healthy and just in my in my spot, in my place. Like I loved Charleston and I loved my little cottage, but I miss my friends. I miss my like my stuff and just like being here and like bagels and Duncan and all of that. Oh, something really cute. I posted that the first thing I was going to do was Seamless a Bagel and Duncan and Seamless like listened. I, I didn't tag I saw them or that. anything. They're, and they just, they were like, we want to send you a gift card. And they just sent me a $25 gift card. But I was like, first of all, whoever's doing your social media needs a raise. Secondly, like I just felt, it just was so touching. And I will say I spent the whole thing on Dunkin' Ice coffees because I had to quarantine at first. So I um I used the whole thing on I think I got like five iced coffees plus a delivery fee. And it was like twenty two dollars. I was like, well that went quickly. But you got your bagel too. Um, with your own money. With my own money. Yeah. Yes. I had a bagel, but I messed up my order because I really wanted a bagel with lox spread. And I just, I thought that I didn't even pay attention. I just express reordered what I usually get. But there had been one hungover day in there that I ordered a, an egg and cheese. So I got the egg and cheese, which wasn't what I wanted. And I'm not hungover because I'm doing dry January. So it's fine. It was great. Now you're making me crave a bagel. I'm getting one tomorrow as well if you want to get if you want to join me. I might I yeah. might I'm very I'm very loyal to my bagel order of plain bagel, jalapeno cheddar, cream cheese on the side. Oh, I get um everything bagel which you can't have cuz mm-hmm. the seeds with veggie tofu spread and sliced tomatoes. Or I get lox cream cheese spread, which I know you think is disgusting. I like real lox. I don't like lox cream I, cheese. I spread. like the cream cheese spread where they they cut all the locks up and like mash it into the cream cheese. It's so good. And <gasps> I, I get that with sliced tomatoes. But it's like the LaCroix of locks. Like it's like yeah. reminiscent of it without. No, it has it. fresh locks. It's expensive. It's like $10 when you get the sandwich instead of like six. Um, <laughs> it's high quality, Becca. Okay, okay. Um, but I get cucumber with that one. Ooh. So those are my two favorites. Yeah. Like started something here. So yeah, just being home, having bagels, seeing you, um, seeing Alex. Um, and just like being with like my stacks of books and 
my nice TV. Your house is so clean right now and uncluttered. It feels really cluttered because I, I've always just had like a lot of stuff and I call it artful clutter. Like it's very intentional, but I've been in that, I was in that very stark cottage yeah, for, with nothing. for six weeks and I'm like, oh, there's so much stuff in here. <laughs> so I feel like this weekend um, and next week I'm going to work on really purging. Like, Well, you know how I feel about stuff. I know. But um, I feel like maybe I have too much stuff, which I never thought I'd say, but Living in that little cottage, which A, we've talked about this, was so quiet and peaceful, and B, was so empty. I think I need a balance between the two, but I'm feeling a little overwhelmed by all my stuff. Yeah. I grew up in a very clutter-free house. We used to joke that my aunt, if anything stayed too still too long, she would throw it out, like whether it was important or not. Yeah. Like just if anything stayed out of place for too long, she would just trash it. And we, I always just be like – we used to like tease her and be like – if one of us stays still too long, like she'll throw you out too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I feel like it's interesting how your um your upbringing impacts that because my mom like loves like things. Like she has, you know, around the holidays, she has like 50 Santa Claus sculptures that she brings out and they're all very like beautifully arranged around the house. Like it never feels like gross clutter and it never feels dirty, but we just like, she always has had like a lot of antiques and like different things and like objects and books and stuff. So like – now as an adult, that's what I like. Yeah. But we I will say my mom was always moving shit around, which I tend to do as well. And it would drive my dad crazy. <laughs> like he'd be like, Your mother just like move the couches around. And like I really love to like I'll be like getting bored and I'll be like, it's time to just like move things around, change it up a little. Um, which I think I get from my mom too. <laughs> but I just remember growing up and my dad being like, I can't find anything. And just like all she did was like change the direction of the couches. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, what's your high? Well, so I I am going to talk about this later in the episode, so I figured I might as well make it my high because it is my high, but I'm not quite ready to talk about it in full. I sound so mysterious. You I'll just, tell you, you teased rom-com pods for like – No, but I'm going to tell you what I know. generally what it is. So um, first of all, I'm feeling very creatively charged. I think I have that new year, new me feeling. And then also I just finished Big Magic, which is our January book club pick. And I reread every January. And I feel like my creativity just got like plugged into a wall socket. I need to – I can't wait to start reading it. Like I'm charging my batteries. Yeah. So that's great. But um, specifically, so I have been toying with the idea of writing a book, writing a fiction book specifically. And – I've had the idea for like a month, and I think in the past week, I I turned the corner from, I'm toying with this idea, this is something I might do, to like, oh yeah, I'm writing a book. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm really excited. I'm. It feels too new and fragile that I don't want to talk about it in any specifics yet, but I know I'm the very, idea and it's you know it. Yeah, but I'm very excited. I'm so excited for you. I think this is so cool and such a good use of your talents. I'm excited. Yeah. So I, I have – I've written about 7,500 words so far. And I, I went back and checked because I have two other – on my computer, I have two other books that I have, like, tentatively started writing. And this is longer than either of them by, like, a long shot. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm on the road. That's great. Yeah. I think on the on the low side, we both have the same one. Yeah, um, the news cycle obviously has not been great. I feel really scared and overwhelmed, and I will say that it really didn't help that this 
um, happened during my quarantine because, you know, once you get back from traveling, like I took a COVID test before, then I waited once I got back four days and took another COVID test, which was negative. But um, during that time, I couldn't go anywhere because the government, and I might be like way too much of a rule follower, but when you take that travel form and you sign off on everything, they can come to your house and knock on the door. And if you're not home, like you can get, you have to pay like a $10,000 fine, I want to say. What? So I've been like, I wouldn't even go for walks. Like one thing that like saved both of us, I think, during the first round of quarantine was the walks. So I've been in my house for, I mean, I went for a walk today, but I was in my house for five days straight during all of this madness. And it is not good for the mental health to like, obviously during such a horrible, scary thing to also like not even like be able to like get a little sunlight. And I feel like I probably could have gone for a walk, but I just I'm so paranoid that it's like, what if someone came to the house and I wasn't there? Yeah. Like, I don't really think that they're going to do that, but you just don't know. Yeah. Mine is similar without the quarantine. I just um, I've been glued to the news for the past uh, few days. And obviously what happened was horrible. And I guess in some ways not super surprising either, which is another level of horrible. Yeah. But I have been consuming news in a way that is unhealthy for my mental health, like just hours. Hours. Of news. I and sit hours of, t- of news when there isn't new news. Yes. You know, like that really like cable news cycle where you're like, wow, I've just watched like four hours of talk news where nothing has happened. Well, we were texting yesterday and I was like <laughs> – I was like, oh, did you see who resigned? Like, oh, did you? And you're like, not that many people have resigned. But I was so in it and just like attached to the TV that it felt like so yeah, many were, people had like resigned. Only um, Mitch McConnell's wife had resigned. And you're like, so many people from the cabinet are resigning. And I was like, one person from the cabinet resigned. Uh, Betsy DeVos, Betsy DeVos did afterwards. Did later, but that yeah. was like. But I was like, oh, my God, like, it's all this. And you were like, no. And I was like, wow, I've really been staring at the TV. <laughs> I was, ac- I felt like I was actually going crazy. I know. It's um, – I think I've detached um, as of today. Yeah. And I think that I'm not detached from current events or the situation, but I've detached my relationship with Jake Tapper, and I'm <laughs> no longer glued to 24-hour – CNN. Yeah. I did put the flight attendant on and I watched the whole rest of it. I had started it while I was in Charleston and that was a good distraction, but it's such a stressful TV show. I was like, maybe that this is, wasn't that the is right a stressful choice. TV show. I was like, this maybe we should have not chosen something murdery. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, let's get into the meat of things. Yes. But before we do, let's take a quick ad break. So I am so excited about this sponsor. If you um, read my blog or follow me on Instagram, I've been talking about this book um, for a while now. Um, This was a thriller that I literally read in less than 24 hours, enjoyed it so, so much. It's The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. And this is like your perfect read-it-in-a-day thriller for when you want to stay in and just be cozy and maybe stay up all night and then sleep all day the next day. It's also something I didn't even realize, a fresh and feminist Jane Eyre retelling, but it's still really great even if you've never read the original. And I actually haven't read Jane Eyre, so I didn't know this, um, but I think that's really cool. And now I kind of want to go back and read the original. So... This book, the the biggest thing you need to know is that if you love Gone Girl, you absolutely have to read this book. So 
It is, I, I've kind of been telling friends, it's like a Southern version of that. So it's set in the South and it kept me completely on my toes. It has a rags to riches storyline. Um, the main character, Jane, is new to Birmingham, Alabama, and she has a very dark past. We don't know what it is. We do know that she's been in and out of foster care her whole life. Um, then she meets rich, gorgeous, and recently widowed Eddie. It feels like it's the solution to all of her problems. So Eddie has lost his wife and his wife's best friend, in a boating accident less than a year ago. The two of them fall in love, but as with books like this, it's not all that it seems. Will Jane's past catch up with her, or will Eddie surprise Jane with a past of his own? So I could not put this book down. I will say that I did guess one of the twists, but that did not detract from my enjoyment of the book. It's just like your perfect stay-up-all-night thriller. So this book was a December book of the month pick. Pop Sugar named it one of the best new books coming out in 2021. And Megan Miranda, who we also love, had great things to say about it. In her words, it is a sharp, fresh twist on a classic when this darkly funny, suspenseful story of murder, ambition, and love. It kept me on the edge of my seat, she said. So you're not going to be able to put this one down. I absolutely promise you I loved this book so much. It's like one of my favorite books I've read in December. Um, I was going to say 2021, but I realized I read it in 2020. But it was one of my favorite thrillers from 2020. You're not going to be able to put it down. Again, the name of the book is The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. And I can't recommend it enough. Order your copy from your favorite bookstore. All right, Grace. Let's get into – I don't – for some reason, I don't like the word resolution. I, I struggle with what to say because I feel like the word intentions was what I was using, but that word has gotten so overused. Like that sounds so like froofy. Yeah. So I think goals. Goals. Yeah. yeah. Priorities. Yeah. Like good old goals. Goals. Yeah. yeah. So I thought we could start by kind of looking back on 2020 goals. So if you are newer here, last January we did a whole episode, which I cannot bring myself to go back and listen to. No, I can't. Um. But if you're a salt in the wound person, maybe you want to, where we talked about all of our goals for 2020. It's depressing. Obviously, neither of us are psychic. So um, not many of those goals came to fruition because of the indoor life that we found ourselves in. Mm -hmm. But I did want to – Well, my goal was to transform into a polar bear this year. What? I think I did. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You're so weird. I feel feel like an actual polar bear. Um – but I, I did want to take some time to like shine the light on and give ourselves credit for the things that we did want to do in 2020 that we accomplished. So what were your 20 – we're not going to talk about the bad ones, but what yeah. were your 2020 goals that you actually did? I mean, a big one was just organizing my finances and getting that like in a place that feels really in order, like developing a savings plan and – getting a financial advisor and like all these things that I knew I needed to do but like just kept putting off. So that was a that was a good one. Um one thing I kept saying was that I was going to be calm and cozy this year. I would say I was definitely very cozy. Yeah, I was going to say cozy, yes. Calm, not mm-hmm. so much. But I will say that that led me to taking care better care of my mental health. I hired um Jackie Lachlan who is like kind of a career She's like a career and personal coach, and she's helped me a lot with just dealing with anxiety and ruminating thoughts and just being better at separating me versus internet me. So that was good. And I also did did take better care of my health. I got really into Melissa Wood, um, started doing the Obey Fitness workouts too. 
Um, so I feel good about like my fitness, went for a lot of walks, read more books than usual because of audiobooks. So those are all positives. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? So I guess specific to the goals I set out, my biggest goal last year was that I wanted to find passion in work. So last year, it's it's like it feels like nine years ago. I can't believe you only just started rom-com pods this year. I know. So last year, we had rom-com pods wasn't even a glimmer in our eye. But um, towards the end of 2019, I was feeling just not super fulfilled by my consulting work. And I was kind of in this place where I loved working for myself. There were so many pros. Like I loved working for myself. I liked the flexibility. The money was good. Like there were a lot of pros, but I just wasn't feeling super fulfilled. Yeah. And I think part of that is because a lot of the consulting projects that I work on are pretty short term. Like they're three to six months. So there's a lot of turnover where you don't necessarily get to see long-term projects like come to fruition. You build relationships with people, but they're more surfacey sometimes because you're not there for as long. Yeah. So I was just kind of feeling adrift and not that I wanted to go get a full-time job at a company, but I was like, I need to solve this problem of how can I find more passion in my work. Yeah. And the answer ended up being rom-com pods, which was somewhat unexpected. I mean, I guess in January, we'd already talked about it. In December, I'd gone to visit Rachel in LA, and that's kind of when the idea came up. And then in January, late January, we started working on it. Yeah. So I definitely got a big check plus on that one. I feel – You did great on that one. Yeah. Like, I feel like my career is potentially going in a new direction. I feel very jazzed about it. I feel very – creatively fulfilled, fulfilled by my partnership with Rachel. Like, I feel good. So that one I got a heaping check plus on. Um, one of my others was um, to work on garment knitting. And I, I got a check on this one. I'd already started a sweater in 2019, and I finished it in 2020. You did. I have not seen you wear that sweater. So the problem with the sweater is it's actually very good. It's it like, is good. It's, it looks good. It is a level – of bulky and hot that would be like appropriate for alpine skiing. Like it is not it is not like a day-to-day it's chilly out sweater. Yeah. So um I haven't worn it outside of the picture that I took for Instagram. I think about it sometimes and I'm just like you're going to be so hot. So you also tend to get hot. Yeah. I tend I run to be hotter. cold. Like I would wear that sweater. You're welcome to. It. <laughs> so, um, I but I didn't do anything new. So, like, I didn't. I guess I didn't do great on that. And then I, I feel the same as you. I do feel like quarantine did force me to focus on my mental health in terms of both, like, incorporating daily walks and in December getting really into Melissa Wood Health mm-hmm. um, and cooking more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was saying to you last night, actually, I was saying that I feel like I've become not a better cook in terms of like the output of my cooking, but like I've just become much more comfortable cooking. Yeah. So like those are good things that happened in 2020 as well that weren't really goals, but like I feel like I've I'm gotten to be a better them. cook too. Yeah. Yeah. I learned how to make bread. Well, flatbread, but bread. Oh, you need to bring that back. Oh, that flatbread is so, so good. good. So before we get into our 2021 goals, like, tell me what your general philosophy is around, well, we already talked about the word resolutions, but like, just do you usually set them? Have you always? Like, how do you do it? What's your 
What's your vibe? I used to be like so intense about them. Like I'd have a spreadsheet and there was always like – because when I worked at um, P&G and like all the – like in my bigger corporate background, like it was all about setting like SMART goals. And I don't remember what it means. It's SMART is an acronym. My goals were always very specific and measurable and like there would be like – Like what's an example of one? I mean like one is like I always have a, a goal for my business, like how much I want to grow my business. Tra- my blog traffic by. Okay. And I always have that goal. My goal is always to grow it like between 25 to 30%. And like I hit that, but that's not like, like I can't think of one or like, you know, maybe it's a weight loss goal or like a goal to be able to do a certain, like w- one year my goal was to be able to do a headstand in yoga. I don't know. I just feel like in the past, my goals have just been like a- so achievement focused, which is great. But I think I'm headed into a more relaxed stage of life where I am just not putting any pressure on myself. That's good. Yeah. So I think it ebbs and flows. And I hope that, you know, maybe I'll, maybe next year I'll be in more of a achievement oriented stage of life. Right now, I just like really want to be happy and like clear on my priorities and my life choices and all of that. Like, so I think it ebbs and flows, but right now I'm kind of in a like, let's set some loose goals for the year, but like not be like putting too much pressure on ourselves. Cause like Lord knows the, <laughs> the world, <laughs> the world is exploding. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? I've kind of been the opposite. So I think of myself as a very goal oriented person and a very achievement oriented person. But in the past I've in the past is like pre-2020. So I yeah. think like 2020 for the podcast was one of the first times that I like really formalized and like told people and was like, here are my goals. Here's what I want to do. Yeah. And in the past, I haven't done that. And I think a lot of it is fear-based because um, I can be very hard on myself. And so there's some fear with putting a goal into the universe if I'm not certain I can achieve it. Yeah. Because otherwise I will like beat myself up over it. So I, think, I hear that. I relate to that a lot too. Yeah. So I think in some ways I've like been reluctant to set formal goals where it's like more like – I guess maybe that's the difference between a goal and an intention where like a goal feels more formal to me than an intention. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they actually have different meanings, but like in my mind, that's how it feels. So I'd have an idea of things I wanted to do, but I wasn't like, here is my goal. Okay. But I'm I really like having more formal – resolutions and like a more well in this case public commitment but like even just an outward commitment of like telling your friends or like telling your family like here are my goals for the year yeah so I really like it um coming into 2021 I my whole thing during quarantine has been I cannot set myself up for disappointment so I would rather have a slightly pessimistic view and be happy, happily surprised than to like, I don't know, like I, I feel like every time I put a question box on Instagram, people are like, do you have any trips planned? And I'm like, no, I don't have any trips planned. Oh my planned. God, all the time. Or people are like, are you dating? And I'm like, no. Like, why would I be dating right now? And not even right now, but it's like, oh, do you have a trip planned for once quarantine is over? And I'm like, no, like I, I couldn't We don't know when we're going to be able to go anywhere. Having to cancel it. So I'm like, no, I need to have like literally nothing to be disappointed by. I completely agree. You know, within my control. That's why I'm like being so gentle with this stuff this year because 
I don't want to be let down. So I, I still wanted to set goals, but the way I thought about it was I only set goals that I could achieve in quarantine. Yes, so same. There's nothing that I committed to here or to myself that I that I you know couldn't do if things stayed exactly the same as they are now. And then I kind of feel like if you know in midway through the year, let's say. Um, circumstances are different, I might want to sit down and create different goals because my goals are not necessarily the same as if life were back to 2019 business as usual. Yes. Yes. So that's kind of how I went about it. But I do think that it it brought me some sense of, not peace, peace isn't the right word, but it, it brought me some sense of like, I don't know, control in the chaos to set goals. Like it did feel good to be like, hey, here are things I want to do and I know that I can do them all in quarantine. Yes, I agree. So if you've been reluctant to set goals, I will say that like having gone through it, I went into it with like a, oh, geez, what are we going to do kind of feeling and then – there won't be any quarterly beach vacations oh my gosh, this up. year. That was her, her one of her goals last year. Yeah, I was like my men- that was like a mental health goal. Mm-hmm. Guess how many I went on? Zero. Zero. Anyway, let's take a quick ad break and then we'll get into the goals themselves. Yes. So today we have a brand new sponsor who I'm very excited about. Today's episode is brought to you by Misen. So a little bit of a backstory here. I have never owned good knives. So I've had the same set of knives since I moved to New York City when I was 26. And every like few months, I kind of think to myself, like, oh, I should replace these. Um, but knives are so expensive. And like I just don't know which ones are worth the money. So I never have. So when this brand approached us, I was like, absolutely, that is something I am interested in. Oh, my gosh. When I saw that email come through, I was like, I was like urgent email to Becca. Can we both get the knife? Because sometimes brands will only give one of us something and we both got the knife. Um, It is the best. Obviously, we've all been doing a lot more cooking at home. And something that's been drilled into my head is the importance of a good knife. It really makes all the difference. And what is so cool about Misen is that their chef's knife is designed to replace an entire set of knives. So the idea is that you only need this one knife, which we both love because we live in small New York apartments. I can vouch for that. So I've been using my chef's knife for a few months now. They they sent it to us in November, mid-November, I think. And I'm completely obsessed. I, I knew my old knives sucked, but like I didn't know how much they sucked, basically. And this has made such a difference. I was chopping herbs the other day and I noticed such a big difference. Like that had always been kind of a pain in the ass. And this was just like, pow, 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 pow. I'm the iron chef. Like it was really nice. And I also, I used this one single knife to cook an entire Thanksgiving dinner. And I was never like, oh, I need something different. Like it is, it did everything perfectly. And here with the superficial thing, this knife is very good looking. Um, So that aside, it's designed for efficiency. It has a sloped handle, which allows you to chop more efficiently and easily. And all of Misen's knives are crafted with high-grade stainless steel, so they say sharper and last a lifetime. And the best part is, is that Misen's knives are two to three times less expensive than other premium knife brands. And they're the same amazing quality. And the knife is legit. Like, you don't need to trust me. It has over 5,000 five-star reviews from real pro chefs, and it has a cult following among home chefs and foodies. 
So if your knives also need an upgrade, you should step up your cooking game now and head over to misen.com slash B-O-P for 20% off your first order. That's M-I-S-E-N.com slash B-O-P for 20% off your first order. Misen.com slash B-O-P. Wait, can I just say that I'm pretty excited that this week's sponsors were a murdery book and then a knife? Like we're like really I, think, I, I think this is like very much against the rules of the ad to mention murder in the same context. I know. I hope we don't get in trouble. <laughs> Whatever. Um it's a great knife and it's a great book. It's just coincidental and I think it's great, especially that Please don't get any ideas from the book about how to use your knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Sorry. Well, Grace, I am going to leave it to you to go first on your goals. So present to me. Do you have a PowerPoint ready? Or? I don't, but I, I'm going to talk to you about my goals. Okay. I will say um, – wait, sorry. <laughs> okay, I will say some of them maybe seem a little like frou-frou, um, but I'm I'm excited about them. So the first one um, is something that Jackie, Jackie Lachlan, and I, I think we're going to have her, ask her to be on the podcast at some point so you guys will get to know her, but um, it's to listen to my intuition um, and – the big thing there is discerning between anxiety and stress and intuition. So anxiety, the way Jackie describes this, is really um, it makes you feel sticky and kind of stuck like you're in this web of like ruminating thoughts and you like can't get out of it, whereas your intuition should be something that empowers you to make better decisions. So I've been trying to like – I have sound like I've got all these voices in my head, but I've got – all of these thoughts all the time and it's just learning to discern between what is like that gut feeling that's pointing you in the right direction and what's just stress. Does Jackie believe in astrology? Um, yes, she does. Because I also feel like that's your Libra-ness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Libras are very intuitive. Oh, no, I meant that you can't make oh, a decision. Oh, balance. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's true, too. We can't make a decision, but we're very intuitive. Oh, okay. Um, but, yes, I am constant – I'm, like, the most indecisive person ever. And, like, poor Jackie, just, like, anytime I'm making a life decision, I'm like, well – and I, like, give her, like, 25 reasons why it won't work. And she's like, well, here are 25 reasons why it will work. Like, maybe, like, look at it this way. So she's been so helpful um, there. And I'm just, like, trying to – better differentiate between those two things and also just go with my gut more. Mm -hmm. Um, A big one has been more separation between the person I am and the person I am on the internet. And that's not to say that the I'm making the internet me less authentic or less me. It's just having some separation because I can just get so in the thick of things and so affected by things people tell me or things like if a stranger like says something awful to you, if, if if a stranger on the street said something awful to me, I wouldn't even think about it because I'd be like, well, they don't know me. Like, why are they like yelling at me or telling me something? Whereas on the internet, it can be really hard to get just like people saying awful things to you all day long, um, which it's, it hasn't been that bad lately, but it's, it's been a cause of stress. And I have the replies to my stories off. They're staying off. Um, I'm a lot happier for it. What else does that mean other than having your stories off? Do you know yet or is that something you're still figuring out? Just – I think it – maybe a better way of saying it would be just to like internalize a lot of that stuff less. Um, Okay. Because I don't mean that like I'm going to be a different person offline than online. Like I'm living this secret life. What I was asking, I didn't know if maybe there were like online and offline hours or like – I don't know. 
Well, that's one of the goals, which I was talking to Jess Kirby about this because um, her management company has all this research and that proves that because we're all as influencers, we're always scared that um, if we aren't posting or sharing, the Instagram algorithm is going to come for us and like deprioritize our content. And her management company did a lot of research and has proven that's actually not the case. And that if you take one or two days off a week, as long as you're consistent with that, you won't be affected. I truly never notice when, you know, if people take weeks off, maybe I would notice, yeah. but I never notice when people take a day. Know, a day off. I don't either. So one goal is to take every Sunday off okay. of social media. So that's something I'm starting this weekend. And so it's, yeah, it's just having better boundaries with it, taking other people, people I don't know's feedback a little less seriously, and just getting back to having fun with it. Because at the end of the day, I love sharing. I love creating content. I love um, finding new cool stuff to talk about. And I really love my job. It's just sometimes it, it just all got to be a little much this year. Yeah. Well, it's also like, I mean, it's it's the same for anything, not just influencing, but it's like taking something you love and making it your job changes it. It does. It really does. And I know that I used to have so much fun with it before it was my full-time job. And I s- still have fun with it, but I really want to get back to just having fun with it again. Yeah. And of course, there's always going to be contracts and brand deals and a lot of behind-the-scenes work. But I miss just like when it felt fun. Yeah. And so bringing some of the fun back. Another one is something that I realized is like a big thing that makes me happy is just having more time to flow and feeling less scheduled, which of course with quarantine, that is a lot easier to do because we don't have these booming social lives. But even when – um quarantine is ultimately over and we get vaccinated and there are events and dinners and friend time and things like that, making sure that the bulk of my time is not scheduled. Does that mean that I can't send you calendar invites to hang out? Because that's my love language. I love your calendar invites. But I also love when it's like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. Like, do you want to come down and watch a movie? Like today I texted Alex and I was like, do you want to watch a movie later? And she was like, yeah, I do. So having – I feel like I'm actually – more social when I have less schedule and less structure, if that even makes sense. Well, because you can do it when you feel like it. You can do it when you feel like it and there's no pressure. So that's one. And then another big one has been getting really clear on what's important and what's not. Like I think that this year in 2020, I definitely like thought a lot about the relationships that are most important to me and what really matters. And I'm still kind of working on that aside from relationships, it's like every little thing. Like one thing Jackie has me doing is going through my time and like just everything. Like it's like almost like taking your closet apart and just getting rid doesn't of all the joy. stuff that doesn't bring you joy. It's like she she was like, we're going to meet Marie Kondo your whole life. Okay. So I'm Marie Kondoing my life. Um. Oh, something I feel really passionate about, and this is more of a goal I would have had in previous years, but it's something I still think is doable for quarantine, is to dedicate a few hours every week to learning something new. So whether that's reading a nonfiction book um, or taking a masterclass, which I love. Ugh, I need to dust off my masterclass subscription. I, Me I too. did too, and I loved them. And then I just, um, I don't know, I just haven't done one. And I have so many bookmarked. Yeah. And when I was in Charleston, it wasn't really a focus because if I had free time, I was like, oh, then I'm going to go over my parents' house or I'm going to go see Zoe or I'm going to, you know, do this. So I didn't read as much and I didn't um, do as many master classes, but I love it. And I feel like I've learned so much from it. Um, And then other goals, I said, this is kind of um, in there with the first one, but having better work and life boundaries and taking a full day off of Instagram every week. And then 
I think the last personal one, which is a scary one to say, is to buy property um, probably at the tail end of 2021. Like I'm hoping fourth quarter to purchase something, which is a very scary thing to say, but I'll be in, I'll be ready. That's exciting. Yeah. And then professionally, it's it's really just a lot of the same. I feel ashamed to say that because I feel like I should be doing something new and exciting and interesting. But this past year, I did a lot that was new and exciting and interesting. Um, so I want to continue to build longer-term partnerships with my the brands I work with. I've worked with pretty much most of my like bucket list dream partners this past year, and I want to continue to build those relationships and grow those partnerships. And then I really want to do more product-focused partnerships. I had so much fun working on Amazon The Drop. We're going to keep working together. I loved working with Nightire on those pajamas, and I would love to do another one with her. Do you have any secret ones in the works? I do. I have something with a home brand. It's coming. I think it's coming out not till next fall. So it's a while away. And then I would like to grow my blog traffic 25 to 30%, which is always my goal. This year I grew it 36%, which I did not think I would be able to do because the year before it was up 80%. So I was kind of like, have I hit my ceiling? Like there's got to be a point where like your page views and your unique visitors drop off a little, Um, but it hasn't yet. So my goal is always like 25 to 30%. And I'd like to grow my Instagram like I'd like to grow, I'd say like maybe 20 to 25,000 followers this year, which I don't know if is possible because I just posted about all the all the new stuff and I lost like 600 followers, but it's fine. I really don't want anyone who's going to unfollow me because of that to follow. So goodbye. So how do you go about accountability with your goals? Like, do you do like, well, I guess you have Jackie, so that's part of it. But like, do you do check-ins or like do you I don't know how do you I write them down and I just like think about them a lot like the business ones are always in my head because I'm just like pretty business-minded the personal ones I have to like check back in on like I wrote them all down in my journal and I look back at them I printed you know that I printed mine and I put them on my fridge and I didn't take them down once quarantine happened I was like Becca this is like it was on her fridge all (laughs) typed out like very Virgo for a year and it was like all of these, it was like beach vacations and like things that you could not do I anymore. I was like, why don't you take that down? Well, I still wanted to be reminded of them because some of them were like accomplishable still. So my thing on my fridge, all it says is three sentences, mental health, physical health, and financial health. In case you forget about those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, my goal is like every day to do something that puts me in a better spot with all three of those things. I feel like I want to find a better method for accountability this year or like tracking my progress to my goals because I was kind of like scattershot with it last year. Also, I mean, some of them like in March, it was like, well, that's not going to happen. So, oh, I'm going to send you this article. We can put it in the show notes too. It's um 11 apps that you can use to track your goals. Oh, okay. I would be interested in that. Yeah. It's on Bustle. We'll put it in the show notes too, but I'm sending it to Becca for now. Okay. So moving on to you, what are your goals for 2020? Well, so I put mine the other way. I put professional first and then personal. So, I mean, I think that tells you where I am mentally in terms of prioritizing. I think you're in a big year for professional I think so, too. I think so, too. But those were the ones that felt easier for me to come up with and more obvious than the personal ones. So on the professional side, my first goal is to break even on rom-com pods. And so we launched it last year. We started working on it in January, and we launched the first season in June. And we had two seasons come out last year, and we are 
trying to birth the third season right now and it's going medium. <laughs> um, but it's and it's something that we really enjoy doing. Um, we felt so creatively satisfied. We've gotten such good feedback. Um, it is not break even as of yet. And so first of all, you know, like we're putting so much time in that we want to be compensated so it can become part of our job. Yeah. And then um the other thing is that one thing that really um I feel like I have this conversation not a lot but like recurring especially in I'll, I'll get DMs about it sometimes is is people are not critical because that's not the right word. It's like they're wanting us to have characters that main characters that are non-white. Yes. We've and talked about this we've before. We've talked about this. And the problem is, is that Rachel and I, who are the writers, are both white. And so it does not feel like right now we have the skills. We're not doing this on a timeline to be able to put in the thoughtful research that would be necessary to write outside of our race. I don't even know if that's something I would feel comfortable with or that we want to do. I wouldn't feel comfortable with it personally. Right. So right now it's like not really on the table. And so by breaking even and getting to a point where we're making money – there's also this vision where we could have other writers work with us on seasons as opposed yes. to the writers just being us for free. And by bringing on um, those authors of color, you'll be able to – they'll be able to write their own perspectives in. Exactly. And so that's something that I'm really excited about and I would really like to see happen in 2021. And so that's like a byproduct of, you know, if we can make money. Because, you know, the alternative is not that we're paying white writers. The the alternative is that we're doing it, we're doing it ourselves for free. Yeah, you're not getting paid. You're paying for this. We're paying for they're it. Literally, you guys, they're literally paying yeah. to do this. It's like, hi, um, <laughs> would you be interested in paying tens of thousands of dollars to do this? Yeah, <laughs> like, but you're, it's it's a shitty deal. You're putting it. It's like putting money in the bank, and you're putting yes. that work in now, yes. and it's yes. going to be worth it. So, but yeah. I get so frustrated on your behalf when people get mad at you about that because it is. I get it as a concern, but also like. You don't – you're just starting. Well, you know, I, I do understand it and I, I think it's a it's a worthwhile – it's a great ask. And I think that, you know, especially if you're discovering it just through um, Apple Podcasts, like you don't know who's behind it. You don't know what the monetary situation is. So I get it. Yeah. It also looks, I feel like, so polished and professional. Like it could be getting millions of downloads and you guys could be – it could be your full-time job. Yeah. So people don't know. But – um. That is something that I would like to happen. And so, you know, I'd like to make money on rom-com pods. And there's kind of two ways that can happen. So the first way is on ads. And we've had – we've definitely explained this before at some point. But like yeah. quick overview on how podcast ads work is that they're priced on a CPM, which is a cost per thousand downloads. So for every thousand downloads, you can charge one increment more for an ad. So yeah. – if we were to break even on ads, that would mean we would need to grow the number of people listening to rom-com pods by probably like two to three X. Yeah. So that's one side. And then the other side that we're kind of looking at and considering is could we sell either a past season of rom-com pods to be developed into TV or a movie? And I mean, that one's very out of our control. Like I can't just like – it's it's not for lack of want that that hasn't happened. Um, but that's one – potential way that we could make money from it. Or the other is we're considering, uh, could we start a new show uh, that is not rom-com pods, but is, you know, a fiction show in the same vein and is like part of rom-com pods productions, our LLC, 
that we produce on behalf of another party yeah. and they finance that and pay us. Yeah. So I would like to find myself being cash positive on rom-com pods by the end of the year is the short the short way of saying that goal. I think that's going to be a lot of work, but I think you can absolutely do it. I think so too. And then my second one, I wrote Explore writing a book because I wrote this last week. But as I said in my intro, my high has now crossed over that I think I'm like writing a book. So I I don't feel so committed to this to say I will I will write a book this year, but I would like to I don't want it to just be lingering. Yeah. So I would feel successful if I, you know, had either written a first draft of this book or I'd said like hey, I've explored this. I've pushed it as far as it can go. I don't think this idea is worth pursuing because either the story isn't working or because I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. So I want to kind of have like that finality at the end of the year where I've either like done it or I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be like in the middle where I'm like, I'm half writing a book and I've written like 25,000 words and I have a half written manuscript in a drawer. Like I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I either want to be in or out. And it feels right now like I'm in. But I'm excited. I think that you need to do this. I'm excited too. So I'm writing a book. I'm. I'll. I'll. I'll talk more about it once it's less fragile and new. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to get too into the details. Yeah. They're for right now. They're like they're mine. They're in my heart. Yeah. Um. The other one I have is for bad on paper. So I feel, and I don't know if you feel this way too, but I feel like, in, especially in 2020, and especially because we didn't really know what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. It was like a TV show where it was like, we what stopped, now? We stopped planning as much because like anytime we planned and we couldn't really have guests for the first part because we hadn't figured out Zoom. Yeah. So I feel like we got really in a bad place on planning. And what that meant was that not that we didn't do any planning. It was just that all the planning happened at the last minute. And I feel like it made it stressful in a way that could easily not be. Yeah. So my goal is to just get more ahead. And so that means on screening books. Yes. Um, the screening books is the hard part. Yeah, but I feel like if we can get a few ahead, then we can be screening further in advance. I know. So it's just needing to get ahead. I feel so, like I just feel stressed because I always want to balance what I'm reading with not reading too many advanced copies because then I do my blog reading list and it's all shit that no one can buy or read. So that's just deeply unhelpful to them. I know. But then I want to read further in advance because I want to have books that um, are new and exciting. Well, I, I feel like I've let go of some of that in the past couple months because I've been reading so much. Like I read nine books in December. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, you can read five advanced copies. Well, Not see, that I, I did, think it would be annoying if I read five advanced copies. I think my blog readers would be irked because they'd be like, oh, great, so this is only four books that I can read. I guess so. But in some ways, I do like reading content from other people about forthcoming books so that I know yes. which books I want to pre-order or that I'm excited about. Like, that was like reading Ashley Spivey's review of the new Taylor Jenkins read. We were both like, oh my god, we need that book. Yeah. So I don't mind it. I would be mad if it was if your book post was all books that I couldn't buy. But if it wasn't mixed, like as long as there were some things that I could buy now, yeah, I don't know. So I want to get more ahead on books. I want to get more ahead on guests. I just want to like – it feels like something we can control, so I want to control it to make it – again, not that it's not fun, but like just to make it not unnecessarily stressful. Yes, I agree. So that's my third one, my last professional one. And then on my personal goals – um. So I want to continue to do Melissa Wood Health, and then I put in parentheses, or similar, 
Because I don't know if I'm going to get like – after six months, I'm going to be like, I'm so bored of this. I got a little bored. I know. I I I saw your stories and I was like, ooh, I might be – I. Yeah. I could see how that would happen. I, I signed up for Obey, which I have a paid partnership with. So people some people were like, you're you're being disingenuous. I'm like, no, I'm I love Melissa, but I'm I'm a, I was a little bored by it. And I also signed up for Skyting TV. Oh. So I've been doing the three of those. So um I don't have a sponsorship with Obey. So I will just tell you that um their music is so fucking cheesy and I really hate it. Oh really? Yeah. I don't mind it. I hate it. Oh, that's funny. Hate it. Oh well. So I like that I'm Melissa, I can play my own music. But you know, just something yeah. of that in that vein. Yeah. I want to do five times a week. Mm-hmm. And um part of the reason why I want to do it five times a week. So I, I guess to explain the goal more, I've been doing Melissa Wood Health for the past month every day. And First of all, I feel much stronger. I I also feel more flexible and like less muscles like crampy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my hamstrings are definitely like more stretched. Yeah. I feel like more flexible and stronger from doing her. Yeah, and I also feel like it's good for my mental health. Um but I want to say that one of the best parts about it, this sounds so silly, but like doing it every day has has eliminated the mental stress of figuring out when I'm going to work out. Mm-hmm. I do it every day and so I need to do it and I just is something that is there. Like I'm not playing that game with myself of like, oh, will I do it today? Oh no, I'll do it tomorrow. Like Yeah. I, I and so it's just eliminated a mental sense of unnecessary negotiation with myself. Yeah. So I want to do it five days a week and I'm going to do it Monday through Friday. Yeah. And then I will know that on every Monday through Friday, I have to do it. Yeah. I like that. So that is my – that's one of my goals. And then I was talking to you about this last night. So this is a really um, vapid one. I need to get into some kind of skincare routine. Oh, so, my gosh. You guys, this is – are you going to tell them what you told me? Yeah. I, I don't care. So my my skincare routine really went out the window at the beginning of How quarantine. many times a week do you moisturize? Maybe twice. Maybe three <laughs> times. I was like, do you get out of the shower and just like not put face lotion on? Sure do. But you have dry skin. Y- yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I – there have definitely been seasons of my life where skincare – I've used skincare to like control things that I can't control and like COVID has not been one of them. And I feel like it's because there's not that time in the morning where I'm like getting ready for the day. Like I work out at 10 a.m. usually. I like shower at weird times. Like I don't have that getting ready portion of the day anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've always been terrible at a nighttime routine. So I'm just – yeah, like if I moisturize three times a week, like that's a good week. There is no other products going on right now. I moisturize like three times a day. I know you do. Um, but uh, the other day I was like looking in the mirror and I was like, oh, my forehead's starting to It's have not. Wrinkles. You look great. So I, I feel like when COVID was a three-month thing, I was like, it's fine. Who cares if you don't have a skincare routine? But now that it's like a year and a half thing, I'm like, you need to get back into a skincare routine. So – Grace helped me. She gave me a lot of personal recommendations for what I was troubleshooting and what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I ordered a bunch of new stuff last night. And new always helps me to, like, get excited yeah, about Yeah, because new is exciting and fun. So I'm finding a skincare routine. I'm excited Honestly, like, I should update this to just say, like, moisturize every day. And, like, that would be a huge improvement. I just don't know how you don't moisturize. Like, I would I understand if you weren't today. doing face masks or serums. My skin just, like, if I w- – when I wake up in the morning, it's, like, tight and feels – 
awful. So even if I know that I'm working out later and and everything, like I still will at least splash my face with water and, and throw some moisturizer mm-hmm. on because my skin gets so tight and dry. I don't have that feeling. Well, you're lucky. My next one is I want – I don't know how to do this yet and I don't know what this means, but I want to spend less time on my phone. Yeah. Like recently, when do you get those alerts on sa- Sundays that tells you? Yeah. They're like six hours. Yeah. Mine and are I'm really like, bad. What am I doing for six hours on my phone? And anytime I say I'm busy or I don't have time for something, I think about the fact that I spend six hours a day on my phone. Uh huh. And I feel like there's always those articles where it's like what you could do with the time that you're on your phone, and it's like the number of books you could read. And I'm just like, I don't feel good about. I don't feel. The only thing I feel good about that I spend time on on my phone is I like read the New York Times in the morning. But other than that, like I'm like. All of this could go. Yeah. I will tell you. So yesterday I did not wash my face. Yesterday I was in a, in a cloud of despair. Yesterday, do you know what I did all day except for like a few mission critical work things? You played Candy Crush? I watched the news and played Candy Crush. <laughs> it was it was like the, the Candy Crush was like helping me deal with stress and the news was, was just, creating the stress to deal with. Yeah, it was like a candy crush. horrible, horrible cycle of awfulness. And I'm so ashamed of myself. Today I had like the most productive day. Well, Jackie gave me like an ass kicking. We have our calls on Fridays and she's like, how are we doing today? What do we need to work on? And I was like, <laughs> Candy Crush? <laughs> no, I didn't tell her about Candy Crush. <laughs> oh, she doesn't know? She doesn't know. Um... She would laugh at me and be like, she wouldn't be critical of it. But um, I was like, I need an ass kicking and I need to get out of my like web of anxiety because I can't, I feel like incapable of moving. I feel like this. And she really helped me think about the way that we have control over our choices and how we let things impact us. And I got up, I like got the three things I needed to do done with work. I planned out my photo shoot. I shot a bunch of content with Allie. I finished the outline here for us. I started the blog post for tomorrow, which I still have to finish after this. And then I um, did my photo shoot. And I feel like I feel great about my day. But I needed an ass kicking. Like because yesterday all I did was like probably eight hours of Candy Crush. Oh, my God. And and, well, you have to take breaks because you lose lives. And then like if you lose a bunch, then you have to wait until you get more lives. So. I put it down. I did put it all down to watch The Flight Attendant because after all the news, I was like, "I." we talked about this already. I'm repeating myself. I needed a break. So then I watched a horrible murdery show. Yeah. So I guess we're on the same page there. I just yeah. – I want to – I would feel happy. I don't think this is realistic and I don't, I don't have any hows of how I'm going to do this. But like yeah. I would be happy if my screen time was two hours a day. Yeah. On my phone. I like that. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but like that would be my ideal. I Same. already have social media time limits and I just press ignore on them. So yeah. it needs something different. And I feel like I should be able to accomplish all of the Instagram stuff from for my day in two hours. Right. Like that's – Instagram's a part of – well, your job too now, but like it's a big part of my job, but I can do that. It's not really a part of my job. I don't make enough money that it's like – Yeah, yeah, but – for to grow rom rom com pods and everything, like sure, it you have to be active sure. so you're growing your base and all that. Yeah, so that is a kind of a question mark. And then my last one is um, I just put saving money, which is not a smart goal. It's not a measurable smart goal. Yeah, um, I feel like last year was a year of negative because I we started rom com pods and so I was putting money into that that um, venture and I was kind of just like 
what was coming in was going out. Like I broke even on last year, but I didn't save any money. And so I need to kind of sit down and figure out, you know, what I think I have coming in and then what I think I have going out and then figure out what is a realistic savings goal to stick to. Because the good thing about quarantine is that I'm, I have, I'm very lucky in that I have not had a huge interruption to my income and that I am spending way less money. So I feel like Mm -hmm. it is an easy time to save money. Yes. So I just need to like put some rigor around it. Yeah. And you can do that. So those are mine. Wait, so let's take another quick break. This is another one of my favorite sponsors. Um, This episode is sponsored by Care Of. So Care Of, if you're not familiar, um, is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that makes you feel your best. Here's how it works. You go on their site and you take their in-depth five-minute quiz that asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, and health concerns to create a fully customized plan that's designed to meet your specific wellness goals. It's like getting a one-on-one consultation with a nutritionist without leaving your house. Yes. So I have been using Care Of for a couple years now, and this is the only vitamin regimen that I've actually been able to stick with. And I, I would blame that on their individually wrapped daily packets. So you don't have to mess with a million pill bottles or that big... I used to have that big old people pill case with, and I would like every Sunday I would, it. yeah, and I'd refill it and I'd be like all excited and then I would forget about it. So what I do now is I just grab a packet in the morning and everything is all ready for me. And I also really appreciate that all of Kerov's products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. And they're completely transparent about the research and sourcing behind each one of their products. And If you've ever cruised the vitamin aisle at the drugstore, you will know that that is not usually the case. Yes. So in the past, I found it really confusing to know what I need. Is a multivitamin enough? Um, If you're doing a la carte vitamins, which ones do you need? How many milligrams? So I really love that Kerov uses their expertise to help me figure out what I need and also educate me. So if one of your resolutions this year is to start taking better care of your health, a Kerov subscription is a great first step. And you can take 50% off your first care of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter code BOP50. Again, take 50% off your first care of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter code BOP50. Grace, shall we get into some end matter? Yes, let's do it. What are you obsessed with on Instagram this week? So I have a confession to make. So early in quarantine, I was very hard on you for doing puzzles alone. Yeah. I have changed my tune. I a puzzle am, is a great solo activity. I I would prefer to do it with somebody, but Rachel's not really into puzzles and you were in Charleston. So I did a lot of puzzles by myself in November, December. So and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. So um, I've done all my puzzles. Do you want to do a puzzle swap actually? Like me and you? Maybe. Oh, you don't seem excited about that. I don't really have any puzzles that you haven't done. Oh. I gave one to my friend, and I don't have any new ones. I'm kind of over puzzles right now. No, I'm like deep in puzzles. Okay. So anyway, I I need new puzzles, and I was looking online to figure out, like, where do I get cute puzzles? Remember the beginning of quarantine where every puzzle was sold out? They are. They're currently – I think they were a big Christmas gift. A lot of puzzles are out of stock. But I found this company that – has like puzzles from a bunch of different brands and it's called Gallison Puzzles, G-A-L-I-S-O-N Puzzles. Um, And I think they have a very good puzzle selection. So I um, follow them on Instagram. So I know when puzzles come back in stock and I also subscribed for um, 
restock reminders on the puzzles? Do you follow Jiggy puzzles? I don't. Jiggy puzzles are good. Okay. Um, I am. Well, I'm scared of the. What's the other one? Um, wild. No, not Alicia's wild. company. No, 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 no. The other one. Piecework puzzles. So we did the pu- this champagne puzzle from Piecework, and it was so fucking hard. It was the worst puzzle ever. And they have a lot of really cute puzzles, but a lot of them have like a solid colored background with like a lot of white space. So I'm afraid of them. No solid color. No solid color puzzles. They're Mm-mm. yeah. So okay, I'm I'm really following Gallison puzzles hard. I have a funny one. Have you followed this account? It's called Zillow Gone Wild. No, I haven't followed it, but um, a lot of friends have been sending me posts from it. Is it new? I don't think it's that new. Steph McNeil from BuzzFeed. I follow her. We both follow her. She's great. Um, she posted that it was her new favorite account, and I looked at it, and she posted like it's just these crazy ass houses. One of them, there was one that's like called the Rocks House, and it's like it's expensive. It's really pretty. Well, it's actually not that expensive. It's in Colorado, but um, like some of them are like millions of dollars. But one of them was like this house, and I don't want to. I guess I'll just say what it is. But it's it's several posts back. There's a jail on the bottom of the house, <laughs> like a full on jail. There's so much crazy shit in here. It just makes me laugh. Like I just find it to be so funny, and um. It's really just a gift. So it's again, it's Zillow, like the place that you go look at properties, gone wild, and it's wonderful. I think I'm just going to continue to benefit from this by letting people send them to me. It's a great account, though. Um, so I'm a, I'm really into that. Okay. What about things? Oh, so over the past month and a half, I have started using leave-in conditioner as a regular part of my hair routine. So my hair routine, I would say, has gotten more intensive during COVID, where my skincare routine has gotten less intensive. This Well, you have nice hair. I, if I don't put leave-in conditioner in my hair, it's a nightmare. Um, but I'd never used it before because I, I generally consider my hair pretty fine. So I've yeah. been afraid of using you don't leave-in it down. conditioner because, yeah, I don't want to weigh it down. But a, a few months ago, Emma Golden, who her – blog is Emma's thing. Her Instagram is Emma's thing. She has beautiful curly hair. She had this post about how she does her curly hair routine. Yeah. And I bought all the products from it. Her hair are different curls than mine. Mine are like looser than hers are. But I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And so one of the products I bought was this leave-in conditioner. So I haven't gone back and actually figured out how to do this curly hair routine, but I have started using the leave-in conditioner. It makes such a difference, Grace. My hair, the bottom of my hair looks so much like shinier and like it just styles better like it looks it makes a huge difference so i got this one i can't remember if i said the brand i got this one from Weedod. oh yeah they that's a good they're a good brand yeah i just bought a travel size one because i wasn't sure if i was gonna like it so i bought like the travel size one i think i bought it from ulta just to, so i could like see if i like it i am intrigued because that Weedod is really for like curly thick hair mm-hmm but it works. Yeah, I think I would probably use less than you would use. Yeah. But I really like it. Okay. Cool. Um, and it it has a smell that is like pretty um it's not overpowering, yeah. which is a problem that I have sometimes with hair products. Cool. Like unless it smells like Orbe, I want it to be like really light. Yeah. Oh, Orbe smells so good. What is yours? So mine, I think I might have talked about this in the past before, but because I'm doing, I know this is your your l- real life obsession. Um, well, because I um, I'm doing dry January, 
really rely on, um, not rely because I'm not addicted to it, but Bimble, B-I-M-B-L-E. It is my favorite CBD seltzer. It's so good. Um, I have a code. It's Grace. They have never paid me. Like they literally are just a small business and they're like, here's a code for your audience if you want it. But if you use Grace on their site, you get 20% off. And I think it's drinkbimble.com. But they launched a new flavor. I think it's cucumber melon. Ooh. Well, I'm ooing because that's the Bath and Body Works flavor that I have fond memories of. I don't know how I would want to drink it. Honestly, it tastes like the essence of a Midori Sour. Huh. Like a Midori Sour is like way too sweet and way too strong, but this is like a lighter version of it. And I find that it really does relax me. Like it's not um, like people – it's not so – like I was DMing with Han- Hannah Orenstein, the author, but she was like, I don't think that I'm like really fully relaxed. I'm like it's just more like a subtle difference because I think it has 25 milligrams of hemp extract in it and that's like enough to like relax you slightly but it's not going to like make you sleepy or drowsy. But I just find I like to have like a treat drink at the end of the day and for me that's mm. oftentimes wine or a cocktail or whatever. And um, so I I have a bimble every night and it. It's so delicious. I just love it so much. My other fl- favorite flavor is the grapefruit basil mint. That's probably my that favorite flavor. That one sounds flavor. really good. That's my favorite flavor. But And the blueberry lemon one is okay. It's not great. Like It's the one I drink the least, but I really like the new um, – Do you have to get all of them in the same pack? Um, no, you don't. Oh, okay. So I – have been getting the grapefruit one and the I've stopped getting the blueberry lemonade. Oh, one. okay. It's not bad and it's actually It's just your least favorite. It's a preference thing. It's also delicious with vodka. But that's that's like is not what we're doing. We're doing dry January. And the other flavors are great with tequila. But um yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on to books? Yes. I'm so excited. So I have my two books that I read last week which were from January, but I felt like I had too many. So I read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig, and I, I passed this to you. Yes. Um, this was great. So I'd read the description for this before, and I didn't feel super intrigued. But um, it won the Goodreads, like the overall Goodreads award for like fiction or for like best book of the year. Yeah. And so then I was really intrigued, and I ordered it, and it was on super back order. So it took forever to come. And I ended up reading it on New Year's uh, New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day. And it is so good and really thought-provoking. And I would say also if you read it, the first couple chapters are very depressing, but it is not overall a depressing book. Okay. So basically the um, – the I'm like, do I want to read this? Because <laughs> no, I don't want to read a few ch- depressing chapters. No, it's it, – and I enjoyed it, but if, if the whole book had been that way, I probably wouldn't have felt the same. So basically the plot is um, this woman uh, is in the UK and like all this stuff has gone wrong in her life and she decides that she wants to die. So she tries to commit suicide and is taken to this in-between place between living and dying where it's a library and you can go live any alternative to any regret you have. Oh. So, like, she goes and lives all these variations of her life. Okay. And it was so wonderful and, like, thought-provoking. It was great. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Then I read this book called Perfect on Paper, which I wanted to read because we're bad on paper, so I was very compelled by it. I have that. Immediately. Am I going to like it? Maybe. <laughs> um, and it's by a woman named Sophie Gonzalez. And this one doesn't come out until April. Um, 
and it's a YA book. It's a it's a schmaltzy YA. Oh, that's going um, in, that's going in my in my oh, giveaway pile. It's a YA high school book. <laughs> okay, so it's about this girl who is running a secret um, advice love advice service where people leave notes in this empty locker and then she writes them back with um, answers to their love questions and um, some guy finds her out and she ends up uh, getting striking a deal with him that he'll keep her secret if she help if he she helps him to get his ex-girlfriend back okay um it's very cute it's also very um it felt very gen z in terms of like how um progressive it was in terms of sexual orientation there's a there's a big plot line about um sexuality um also just about mental health like it was a very I don't know. It was it was unlike a lot of YA books that I've read. And I really appreciate it. I really liked it. Okay. But I know that you don't love a schmaltzy YA. So I, I don't. don't know. I think it's not it for me. And I was excited about the name too because we're bad on paper. I know. Um okay. That's one I can take out of my 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 pile. It's a good it's a good YA high school book, but I just know that you don't like those. Yeah, but look at my pile over there. I know, I know. It's it's my pile is now like three giant piles. So, so that that's something I can give to someone else. Sure. So then the third book I read, which we both read, was The Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren. Oh my God. So this is their upcoming book that comes out in May. And oh. It's so good, you guys. It might be my favorite of theirs. It's right up there because Love in Other Words is one of my yeah, favorite th- books. Yeah, that's my wrote. other one that I would say could be in the contender. And that's it's a very different vibe than that. And you know, I didn't really love In a Holiday. It's like, I, I feel like like a such a traitor saying I don't didn't like it because they're like one of my favorite favorite authors. Oh my god. So this one was so good. The premise is a woman who's a single mom enrolls in this dating app that is based on your genetics. So you basically do like a 23 and me and they've like identified these genetic sequences that predict compatibility and she meets this guy who's her perfect match and it's a hate to love romance. Yes. It was so good. I stayed up way too late one night reading it. I did the same. It just – it's really happy. I like that it's, like, kind of nerdy and science-based. And um, I just thought it was so well done. And then my last book that I read was – I read this book called Musical Chairs by Amy Popple. And this book has been languishing in my TBR pile for months. It's in mine, too. And I, I think I saved it in my TBR pile. It showed up in the mail. I didn't know what it was about. I liked the cover, so I think that's why I, like, kind of kept it in my TBR pile. And – it was the thing that was at the bottom. And so the other day – and do you want to know something that I've gotten better at recently? What? DNFing books. I'm so proud of you. I've DNFed a lot of books recently. And so I had just DNFed another book. I won't like blacklist books that I didn't like. But I just DNFed another book. And I pulled this one out from the bottom of the pile and I was like, let's see how this is. You're either going to like it or you're going to DNF it and get it out of the pile. Yeah. And I ended up loving it. Oh, it's so well written. It's about a woman who's in her 50s and she is a, mu- a, a classical musician and she has grown children and her father is a famous, very famous composer. And um, she goes up to Connecticut where she has a country house for the summer. And it's just about her like messy life. There was something about it that reminded me a little of Gilmore Girls just in terms of like the rich older generation of the family and like the non-traditional family 
and like the pace there was something about it. Yeah. I know that you don't like Gilmore Girls, but I'm not I don't, I still think you would like this. Okay. Um it was so well written. It was so good. I I like loved it. It was an unexpected five-star read for me. Awesome. I feel like my list is so much less accomplished than yours. Well, the only reason mine is so long is because I chopped two off of last week because I oh, felt like I had too many. So long. I feel like I had too many last I should have done that because I had too many last week. I um I read this week in like a day. I read the Christina Lauren, um, and I'm that's now in the mail to my mom because I think she's gonna love it. It was my favorite favorite I don't love romance, but I love their romances. Like they're not yeah. too schmaltzy for me. And then I'm re- I'm still reading Joyful by Ingrid Fatelli, and I know we laugh about it, but I literally read it with a highlighter and a pencil, and I'm, like, back in school, and I'm, like, underlining things and, like, writing things down to look up later. So my goal is to finish that over the weekend because I can't start Big Magic until – like, when I, I like to have one nonfiction book that I'm, like, reading and taking notes on at a time – so the, that's the goal is to finish that to start Big Magic over the weekend. Then um, I also – I just started Makeup Breakup by Lily Menon and um, it's cute so far. I don't have a lot to say. It's a romance and I'm not sure I'm going to like it but I um, I wanted something light given everything going on in the media. So I started that. Okay. And if you – do not find any of those books appealing. I truly cannot recommend our January book club pick highly enough. We are reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which is a nonfiction book. And it is all of her thoughts on living a creative life. Yeah. And I, I do just want to say, I feel like I say this every week, but um, the first time I read this, I truly didn't consider myself a creative person and it still really resonated with me. So no matter where you you see yourself on the creative spectrum, I think that you will find something from this. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be talking about that on the last Wednesday of the month. And in the meantime, if you would like more of us, you can join our Facebook group. Just search Bad on Paper on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood, and my blog is thestripe.com. I post new posts most days. And I've terrorized you out of saying every single day. Because I don't post. I take Sundays off. <laughs> and I'm on Inst- Six days a week. <laughs> and I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I would also love for you to check out my other fiction podcast called Rom-Com Pods. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.